With Hashem's assistance, we are learning Baba Metziah, Daf Beis, page 2, the very beginning of the tractate. Here we go, top of the page. Shnaimach is in Batalis. You have two people that are holding on to a garment. Each one is claiming that he found it first. Each one is claiming it's completely his. Each one swears that he doesn't own less than half of it, and they split it. Rashi points out it's important to note that they have to both be holding it, because if one of them is holding it, so as my Rebbe used to say, possession is ten-tenths of the law, meaning that we have a concept of that if you're trying to get something away from someone else, if someone else has possession of it, you have to bring witnesses or solid proof that it's yours. Let's say we have a slightly different case. One of them who's holding it is claiming that it's completely his. The other one is admitting that half of it belongs to the guy, but he's saying that this half is mine. So the one who's claiming that it's completely his, so in essence they agree about half of it. So the other half is what they're arguing about. So he says that he for sure has his own half plus another quarter. And the one who's saying that it's half his, so he swears that he that he for sure owns at least that last quarter. The one who's claiming that it's completely his gets three quarters, and the one who's claiming that it was half his gets one quarter. Let's you have two people that are riding along on an animal. And Rashi explains that we're talking about an animal that was, they were trying to get it out of Hefker, they were trying to get it out of being ownerless. It was a lost animal perhaps that had no signs on it. Or let's say you have a case where one of them is riding and one of them is leading it. Again, each one of them is claiming that it's completely his. So each of them, so he has to swear that he doesn't have less than half of it. And then they split it. And Rashi points out that one of the points, the novelty here in this case, is that it's coming to teach you that there's no difference between riding or leading an animal. Both of those actions are things that could acquire an animal theoretically, and therefore both of them have an equal claim, whether it's being ridden on or whether it's being led. When they agree, or if they have witnesses, so then it's not necessary to swear, but rather they split it up without swearing. We begin the Gemara. Why do we need to say what seems to be two separate cases? The first would be that each one is claiming that he found it. Now we seem to have a second case. Each one is claiming it's completely theirs. Say one case. The Gemara answers, It is one case. What it means is, each one is claiming that he found it and it's completely theirs. And the second one is also claiming that he, uh, he found it and it's completely his. So Gemara says, wait a second. Let it say, he found it, and obviously if he's the one who's claiming to have found it, it's completely his. The Gemara answers like this. If it had just said that each one of them is claiming that he found it, I would have thought like this. What does it mean when he says that he found it? It means that he was the first one to see it, not that he actually picked it up. Even though it hadn't come to his hand, you might think that just seeing it first is enough for it to be considered that he has acquired it. That's what we added on, in, and we said that the case is where he's claiming he found it first, and it's completely his. Because just seeing it alone is not enough for a person to transfer it into his possession. If we're talking about, again, we have to remember, we're talking about a lost object. Each one is claiming that he found it first, and he possessed it. So the only way to possess it properly is by picking it up, not just by seeing it first. Now the Gemara says, hold on a second. 
so according to what you're saying, so the implication of the word matzah, to find, is that he saw it. Can you claim indeed that when a person says that they found it, it means that they saw it? We know that Rabbanai said, in regards to the verse of finding a lost object and having a requirement to return it in a case where it has signs, the, the implication of the word that it was found, says Rabbanai, is that it actually came into one's hands. So how can you tell me that when, when, when a person says he found it, he means that he saw it? Sigmar says, in. The truth is that Rabbi Noe is right, and what we're saying is also right. When it says in a verse that a person found it, so the implication of the verse is that a person found it and it came into his hands. However, in our Mishnah, so we're using the way that people speak. And when, when people today, when they speak, when they see something, so they say, I found it. So basically there are two different definitions of the word matzah. The word matzah means to find. So when the Torah uses the word to find, it means that it actually came into his hand. Because that's how the word was used perhaps in the time that the Torah was written. So we have to know that to understand what the Torah meant. However, today, in today's colloquial language, so when someone says that he found something, it means that he saw it first. So now we could think that even though it hasn't actually entered into one's hands, just seeing it alone is enough for a person to possess it. So that's why, again, the mission needed to say, since it was starting off using the language that people usually speak, so you might have thought that just seeing it is, an, is enough. So that's why it says, Kula Shali, it's completely mine. That just seeing is not enough. It's going to teach you that no, you have to actually pick it up physically in order for you to be able to have a legitimate claim upon this item. Now the guard challenges. Let the missioner write that the person claimed it's completely his. We don't need to say the words that he found it. Why? Because in other words, the whole reason that we're saying that we said the words coolishly that he's claiming it's completely his is so that you don't think that when he says that I found it, it means that it's enough to see it. So just say the cases where he said it's completely his, and therefore we would know that it's not enough to just see it. So Gemara says, If it had just said that the person is claiming it's completely his, I would have thought like this, in general, that when a person says that he has found it, indeed, seeing it would be enough. Meaning it's only in this case, perhaps, that it would that you would require that you have to actually do an act of acquisition, it's not enough to see it. So so that's why we said the case that a person is claiming that he found it, and then he claims that it's completely his. The Mishnah Saver from the fact that we have this extra word, which is that he found it, Ashmainan, this comes to teach you the Reiyalikani, that in general, not just here, but in all cases, just seeing it is not enough for a person to acquire something, even if it's completely ownerless. Rather, it's necessary that if a person wants to acquire something, he do an act of acquisition, he pick it up and not just look at it. Now there are challenges, because we have this assumption here. And that was based on the question. We seem to have two cases in the Mishnah, one being where they're each saying that they found it, and one being that they each are saying that it's completely theirs. So we said it's all one case. So the Gemara says, Can it indeed be said that this is all one case? It seems to be saying that there are two different cases. Each one is saying that I found it. And then we have a second case, it would seem to be, where they're each saying that it's completely theirs. Meaning, Rashi explains, if it was really one case, it should have just said it as one case. Each one is saying that it's that they found it, and it's completely theirs. Why does it separate it? So the Gemara says now, in fact, it is two separate cases. I'm a Rapapa, Vitemer of Simi Bar Ashi. Rapapa says, and there are those who say that it was Rav Simon Bar Ashi who said, Amri and there are those who said that it was a certain rabbi named Kedi, according to other explanations, without a name. 
There are two separate cases and there are two completely different types of circumstances. One is talking about a case where the two people are both claiming they found a lost object. And one is a case where they're both claiming that they bought this object from a certain person who sold it. And we need both different types of cases, one being a case where it was found, one being a case where they're both claiming that it was sold. To Bezim Abez, we turn. Page 2b. If I had just said the case where they're both claiming that they found it, so I would have thought that that only in the case where they're both claiming to have found it do the sages institute a swear. Because a person would say rationalization as follows. In a case where they're both claiming that they found it, so let's, let's look at it this way. Ruven actually found the thing. And Shimon comes along, he wants that thing that Ruvain found, so he claims now that he also found it. And he rationalizes to himself and says, listen, this is something that Ruvain didn't really work for, he didn't spend any time to get this thing, which is something that he happened to find. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and claim that it's also mine, and I'm not really making him lose too much, because he didn't really have it before. So that's why the sages instituted there would be a swear in such a case so that we can, we can get rid of all of these types of rationalizations. But in a case of a sale, there's no such rationalization. Meaning the person, it's not just like he got it for free, he spent money on this thing. So you would think that it's not necessary to create a swear in such a case. And if he's making such a claim, maybe he really did buy it. So that's why, that's the chiddush, that's the novelty of saying that, no, in fact, we do make him swear, because we do assume that, in fact, perhaps he's lying. And if we had said a case of a sale, we would have thought like this, over there the sages said that there is an obligation to swear. We need to weed out the following case. Because in a sale case, a person had the following rationalization, my friend gave money. I'm going to pay money for this thing, this object in any event. I'm not stealing anything. So I need it for myself. I'm going to take it. And let him go and buy it somewhere else. Meaning, he says to himself, I'm not really taking something away from him by, by claiming that I'm the one who bought it. He can go and buy this thing elsewhere. So therefore, the sages instituted a swear to weed out such a case. But in a case where someone found it, you don't have this rationalization. You can't tell the guy, go find it somewhere else. This is the only object that's been lost and found like this. So might have thought that it wasn't necessary to say a swear. And if he's making this claim that it's his, it really, it really is true. So that's why it's necessary to say that we also create this swear in a case where they're both claiming to have found this object. Now the Gemara says, Mekachu Memker, in the case where we have, they're both claiming that they bought it. Why don't we go back to the person who sold it and see, who did he get money from? Why do we have to make them swear at all? We can actually clarify this. So Gemara answers, that actually the person who accepted the money, the person who was selling it, so he took money from both of them. One of them he willingly took the money from, meaning he meant to sell it to him, and one, the guy, he didn't mean to sell to that guy. The guy was trying to force him. And we don't know which one he took the money from willingly, and which one it was done against his will. So therefore, since we don't know, so that's why they have to both swear in order to take any part of it. There's an important point that Rashi mentions, and that is that we're specifically talking about cases where theoretically they could both be true. Meaning, what they're swearing about, they're both swearing that they at least have half. Right, so in the case where two people found an object, 
So theoretically, they could have both picked it up at the same time, thereby they both have half in it. Or in a case where somebody has sold it, so theoretically that person who sold it could have sold it to both of them, and they could theoretically each have half. So when they're swearing, so their swear could theoretically be true. But if it's a case where for sure is not true, for example, let's say each one of them is claiming that it's theirs, they wove this garment or this piece of cloth, so, so it's not possible that both of them could have woven the same piece of cloth. So therefore, in such a case, Rashi says that, that we will not let them swear, we'll actually put this item off to the side and wait until Elijah the prophet comes and clarifies to whom this belongs. Now the Gemara says, Let us say that our Mishnah is not like Ben Nanas, the Ike Ben Nanas, because if it is indeed like him, Ha'amar, he says, Rashi explains that the case over there is talking about a case where you have a person, we'll call him Ruvain. Ruvain hired workers to work for him and has not yet paid them. Ruvain goes over to Shimon, who has wheat, he sells wheat, and he says to Shimon, do me a favor, give, give wheat to my workers, who I owe them money, I owe them value, so instead of paying them with, with money, I want you to give them the wheat that I owe them, per the value that I owe them, and I will give you the money later on for the wheat that you've given to them. Now, what happens? So they come to court because the people who worked for him claim that they never got the wheat from this guy, and the guy who sells the wheat says, no, indeed, I gave them the, the, the wheat, and you haven't paid me. So both of them are saying, both the workers and the, the wheat seller are claiming that Ruvain owes the money. Now, so the Mishnah says over there that they both swear, and they're able to both get money. So even though the swears can't both be true, right? Because the workers, the only way that they could get money is if they haven't gotten the wheat. So they're swearing that they didn't get the wheat. And the only way that the person who sells, sells the wheat can get money is because he's given over the wheat. So he's swearing that he did get the wheat. So both swears cannot be true. One of them is for sure lying. Nevertheless, according to the Tanakhama there, they both swear. So, but Benana says, How can they both swear? One of them is for sure lying. Someone is for sure going to swear falsely. So according to Benanas, where they can't both be true, so we don't allow them to swear. But in our mission over here, where they're both claiming the, that the article is completely theirs, so one of them is swearing falsely. Nevertheless, we see that we allow them to swear. So it sounds like it's not like Benanas. So Gmar says, no. We could even say that our mission works out like Benanas. Because over there, when does Benanas say that we can't allow them to swear? There for sure one of them is going to be lying and saying a false swear. Hachab, however, in our case, Ikalam Amar, they're like a shwashov. You can say that they're not swearing falsely. Amar the Tarvaiba because we could theoretically say it's possible they both picked it up at the same moment. And therefore it belongs to both of them. So when they're swearing, they're not swearing falsely. Now the Gemara says, Let us say that actually our Mishnah is not like Sumchus. Because if it were like Sumchus, He says that if you have money that you don't know to whom it belongs, so you actually, they'll split it without swearing. And our Mishnah says that they will swear. And the case of the Rashi says, it's going on the Gemara in Baba Kama, Daf Memvav, page 46. And that Gemara says, it's talking about a case where you have an ox that gores a cow. And we find right next to the cow, so there's a calf. And this baby cow is also dead. So the question is, did the ox kill the baby cow, or did the ox only kill the mother cow? And the, the baby cow died on its own. So over there, Simchus says that we split it without swearing. So that would seem to be not like our mission over here. We're splitting it, and they have to swear. So the Gemara says, "Vel almai rabbanon." So what are you going to say that it's like the sages over there? The sages say over there that in fact we don't swear. In fact, until the person brings a proof, they don't split it at all. But rather, the person who has the money, meaning the the ox owner, he doesn't have to pay until the person who's lost his cow and his and his calf until he brings some kind of proof. 
So clearly our mission is neither like the Rabbana nor Sumchus. Why are we saying it's only not like Sumchus? So Gemara says, hold on a second. Hi, my. What is this? If we say actually that our mission works out like the Rabbana, like the sages, Hasam, we could explain this as follows. Over there, the Leitavsi Tarvayu, where they're not both holding on to it, right? Our case, they're both holding on to this garment. But in that case, the, the guy who caused the damage, he's the one who's holding on to the money. And the person who got damaged doesn't have any Tvisa, any hold on the money at all. So there, so in such a case, the sages would say that if you want to get something, so the fact that you're not holding on to it at all, so you're going to have to bring a proof if you want to get the money out of the other guy. But in our case, where they're both holding on to the garment, so the Rabbanon and the sages would say that they would in fact split it and only with a swear. But if it would be like Sumchus, so now, over there, the Leitavsi Tarvahu, they're not both holding it. Nevertheless, we say, according to Sumchus, that they split it up without even swearing. In our case, where they're both holding it, certainly he would say that they both split it without even swearing. So Gemara says, We could even say that actually our Mishnah does go according to Sumchus. How do we understand that? Sumchus over there says that you do not have to swear. Here, how could it be that he holds that you do have to swear? Ki Amar Sumchus. When does he say that you have to swear? Shema v'shema. In that case, they're both unsure. Neither one knows to whom the money is supposed to go. So over there, he would say that they split it without a swear. Of Bari, Bari. But our case where they're both claiming with complete clarity that it belongs completely to them, Loyomar. So there he wouldn't say that you could get away without swearing. You would indeed have to swear in our case. According to Rabbi Barav Huna, who says that Sumchus says his halacha over there that they do not need to swear, even though he holds that it's talking about a case where they are both positive, they're both sure in their claim that they deserve the money, and they nevertheless do not need to swear according to Sumchus. So how can we say that our mission would work out even according to Sumchus? Gemara says it could even work out according to Sumchus. Ki Amar Sumchus. When does Sumchus say that you don't need to swear? That's specifically in a case like that case where if the person whose animal got killed does not get any money, he's going to lose out. But in our case, where no one's going to lose out, theoretically, if one of them gets all the money, because since it's a metzia, it's a lost object that's being, being found, so neither of them had it to begin with, neither of them is losing anything. So he wouldn't say that they would split it without swearing. It only makes sense to say such a thing in a case where each one of the parties stands to lose. So then we would say, okay, they both stand to lose, so we'll just split the money. But in this case, theoretically, you gotta prove it, you gotta swear. So Gemara says, hold on a second. Is it not a logical derivation? In that case, where they both stand to lose, both the person who got damaged and the person who caused the damage, and we could say that it completely belongs to one of them. And we could say that it theoretically completely belongs to the other one. Amar Sumchus, nevertheless Sumchus says, that this is considered money that they're going to split even without swearing. Hacha, in our case, the Lekajar Damona, where there's no loss. And not only that, as Rashi explains it, not only that, so you could even say that it belongs to both of them. Like Kal Shikain, certainly it should not be necessary to swear. You could even say that it goes according to Sumchus, that even though he yells over there, you don't have to swear. Over here, he would hold you have to swear. Why? This swearing is only from the sages. They instituted it. And it's like the statement of Rabbi Yechanan. He said, This swearing is actually an enactment of the sages. That no one should go. Everyone can theoretically go and grab other people's talas, grab their garment, and say it's mine. So now, you can't just grab it and say it's, it's yours and then end up with half of it until you actually go and swear. 
So it's interesting because what comes out is that a person would never swear falsely. To do such a thing, to swear and say by God's name that this belongs to him when it doesn't really belong to him, a person wouldn't do that. But to claim that this thing belongs to him without having to swear, a person would grab it. So therefore we have the ability to prevent that by creating this swear and thereby no one's going to go and grab someone else's thing because they know that they're going to have to swear in order to be able to keep that thing. So it comes out that the entire concept of the swear according to Rabbi Yechanan is only from the sages and really one would not have to swear and that could be the understanding of how Sumchus could fit into our mission, even though he holds elsewhere that you don't have to swear. Nevertheless, in our case, he would hold that you do have to swear, seeing as we're talking about a case of a talus, of a garment that two people are holding.